Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another special episode of the Steve Sully Study. I've got to tell you, I'm very, very excited. There's so many different reasons why I'm excited. I've got this phenomenal man in front of me, the businessman, Lord Aline, podcast part two. I really enjoyed the first podcast, but I'll tell you what, this man's about to share with us what's happening with his business, pet, the enterprise, and also this big move, this big kind of new exciting chapter in Dubai. But let me just be a little bit selfish and tell you why I'm excited to do this podcast here. Well, number one, we're in the Mayfair Gallery, okay? This is the first podcast in the Mayfair Gallery in Sackville Street. But I read a, a, a post from you today on Instagram, which really moved me and it was very inspiring, but actually made me think about my own journey. And the opening is this. Next week, I take my Bugatti and it flies with me to Dubai. Isha Allah, but let me tell you how deep this is for me. And I'll, we'll get on to the rest of the post. I put this notebook here, okay, because I wanted you in the audience to see firsthand. And I haven't shown you this, by the way, before we start speaking. You I believe in visualization. I believe in manifesting goals. I believe in thinking about the future and making it happen with hard work, positivity, the right people, you know, and just putting out great energy. This very building, front of my book at the start of the year, I put the front of it there and I put Woodbury House, I, I imposed it at the front. So there's a camera can see. May I have a look? Yeah. And now we're in that very building. Oh, wow. And I've got other things on there like the sauna, the ice bath, all these sort of things I'm into. You've ticked off most of them. And the Lamborghini, I haven't <laughs> bought one, but I use the same sort of Lamborghini from the Gumball Rally. And look. It's a G you, wagon. You, you've just turned up in a black G wagon. You haven't just put that in. Have you? <laughs> Mate, I'm telling you. That's... I swear on my, my family's life, I have I've had that in there for so you've got here. so you've got Woodbury House and you've got the absolute identical car that I've pulled up in today. Yeah. Outside and bearing in mind, you only I have the message. You only asked me. I think yeah, about I twenty you, minutes before. I, message me before you come outside. Yeah, look, look, look it's, it, I asked you. I said, are you turning up in a Bugatti? My heart rate's just gone how up. How mad this, is that? This podcast has got so much more so, exciting. So, so that, that's why I told you I've got the perfect <laughs> opening because I believe that. Wow. The law of attraction, providing that you work really, really hard, you align yourself with good people and also the people in the same sort of mission as you, things just happen. And it's actually quite scary and freaky at the same time. So anyway, exactly. that was the opening. That's the introduction. Lord Aline, part two. Welcome, mate. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. An absolute honor to be in your new gallery and that opening there. It's just so unexpected. I'm still trying to kind of re register that. And that's that's really weird. But yeah, I mean, visualization is is key. And and this gallery is all about visuals. I mean, come, walking in, you had some paintings in your previous gallery that I've seen now displayed here, and they're just taking my breath away. And I never knew art could have so much of an impact on me. I'm not just saying that because I'm here, but genuinely, even this, this room as well, it feels it's such a nice podcast room. So thank you for having me. No problem, mate. No problem. So um, let's talk about this post and let's talk about uh, your, 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 your next plans. Cause Dubai, I've seen you in and out of Dubai, uh, over the years. Um, it's obviously a place full of money. It's a place full of opportunities for, for the place is a place full of great people. And I always felt it was quite suitable for the industry you're in high end cars, supercars, great brand, great lifestyle. So tell me a bit more about that. Yes. In fact, uh, let me take it right to the start when we went on my first family holiday to Dubai. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but 
when white cars started to come about and they were starting to be a bit more popular, maybe if you remember or not, it was around the 2007, 8, 9 period. And that's in the UK, they started to become really popular. But the first time they were seen, like you would see a, a white Ferrari, a white Porsche, a white, um, you know, cars that you wouldn't normally expect to see in white, a white Rolls Royce, you saw them in Dubai. So uh, we were out and about with my mom, my dad and my sister. We were all out and uh, I think we were by Jumeirah Beach. And we were always so fascinated by the luxurious cars, the sports cars, the supercars that were out and about on the front of the hotels. And we saw this one white Rolls Royce. And exactly what you said about visualization, we took some vision from what was happening in Dubai and we brought it back to the UK. Uh, you know, that's when my dad actually said at that time, you know, I want a white Rolls Royce. I was probably 14, 13, 14 at the time. I'm going to get a white Rolls Royce. Um, and I was thinking to myself, you know, okay, yeah, they do look really good here. I wonder if they'll look good over in the UK. So we took some ideas from Dubai. I know it's something so simple like a color, but, you know, it, it was game changing because it was the new modern day Rolls Royces in the white wedding color. So, you know, it was the modern day, modern day groom and bride's car. So it was fantastic for the wedding industry that we were in, uh, wedding car hire industry. So... Um, you know, we took some inspiration from Dubai. Um, again, as you mentioned about my Instagram post, which I posted uh, a little earlier today, about my father walking through the mall and seeing a collector's palace. It's uh, it's a shop that you can pick up, you know, diecast models, um, you know, figurines, all that sort of stuff. And we spotted a Bugatti there, um, and we bought the. He walked in there, and the, the Bugatti model, but at the time was about three hundred and fifty to four hundred pounds. And uh, my mom said, "No, don't be stupid. Don't buy that. Well, what do you need to buy that? He's not. He's not a kid anymore. He's not going to play with it, is he? Because no, it's not about playing with it. You know, he, he needs to. You know, he, it's not he needs to, but he's going to have one one day. That's what he, he, he would say. He's going to have one one day. So he needs to start off here." So I've walked in and uh, I've got, he's pumped me up now. He's trying to get me excited. I wasn't really so excited because I thought, am I going to play with this? I'm not going to play with it at 14. I'm like 13, 14. I'm just a bit odd. So what we did was he, uh, he got me pumped up and he goes, no, what we're going to do is we're going to buy loads of these die cast models and we're going to put them in a, in a showcase. And, and, and it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be spinning around on a turntable and there's going to be like a light pointing on it and they're going to be your collection of cars. Fast forward a few years, obviously, I've got my showroom with the, the cars displayed and all the lights, just like how we envisioned the showcase. But the Bugatti was a very important car because it was the car that we didn't have, but we'd always wanted to strive towards. And, and, and it was the Veyron. It was fresh on the scene as well. So he said, I'm going to have one of these. Anyway, we, we bought it. I was really happy. I was excited. I could understand why he had bought it for me. And we walked out. Just as he walked out, he walked straight back in. And he goes, have you got another one? And they said, in fact, yeah, we do. And I go, what are you going to get another one for? This, they're quite expensive, these little toy things, whatever, you know? Car, high, high quality models, though, still. And uh, he, uh, he bought one for his friend, who, again, fast forward a few years now, has also a Bugatti Veyron in the same color 
combination that the model was in as well. So that visualization was crazy as well. So anyway, it started off with the diecast models and, um, and, and, and going to Dubai to, to see all the beautiful cars, to seeing, see people enjoy their cars. And uh, I loved cars for many different reasons, but that was the lifestyle element of it that I saw, you know? So, um, yeah, that's it pretty much, Stephen, you know, and the rest was history. We came back here and we didn't stop. You know, we, we, we brought a lot of the cars. We took a lot of spe- specification inspiration from Los Angeles and Dubai and brought that to the UK, made car hire more fun, uh, more attention to detail on the certain wheels, all that sort of stuff that I previously mentioned in the previous podcast. And uh, that's it. Now the reverse is happening now. We're going to Dubai. It's exciting stuff. <laughs> Do you know, um, I'm just listening to the way, way you talk and you, there's an elegance about how you talk about things and also conviction. And that I think that's really, really important, like the conviction of the belief and the certainty that you have. And success leaves clues, right? Whether you're an athlete at the top of your game, whether you're a business person, whether you're the best mother or father you can be, these people have belief certainty and they work really, really hard towards their vision. And reading through your... You know, I'm, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but your post earlier, you, you reference your auntie and your auntie say, he said to you basically that if you want it enough, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Allah, Isha Allah will make it happen for you, will make your dream come true. And you said the moment she said that to you, you knew it was going to happen. And I do believe that success isn't a mistake. It's not just coincidence. People do visualize without even realizing it sometimes, which you've clearly done and I've clearly done and some other people have clearly done and your father and Alfie Bess and his father, etc. And with that vision, you start working towards it and having things like the Bugatti model, yeah? Having, you know, other people would say, oh, that's a toy. Why have you got that? No, it's not a toy. It's a reminder of a goal and my purpose and that's what I'm going to achieve having pictures in my book some people would say it's what kids would do Mm. no it's a reminder of my mission that's why i have it there every single day and i do my affirmations and i'm positively thinking about it all the time and i just wanted to hear it from a young businessman someone as successful and someone who really thinks big you know ginormous goals like you do you know can you see a trend there with a lot of people in your network you know how they act how they believe and visualize and just how they go about achieving their goals, Elaine. Yeah, well, the biggest example I have is my father, um, as someone who visualizes big goals, and he doesn't. He knows that he knows the realistic way to achieve these goals. He doesn't just jump at it. He's experienced. He's seen it all. He'll chop away at the goal. He chips away at it. He tells me every single day he wakes up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Mashallah, and he is out and he's back home until the job is done. And that's one day ticked off for him. It's one step closer to his next goal. You know, my dad had goals, I'm sure, when he was my age that probably weren't the Bugatti. It took a lot for him to get to that stage where his goal was a Bugatti. And if you ask him now, is his goal a Bugatti, a car? No. Is my goal a Bugatti or a car, another car on the road? No. So visualization is very important because sometimes you can outdo your, your visuals as well. And when you get to that point, it can be a strange moment. You have to either outgrow and you have to get brave and understand that this is what it is. You know, you have the hunger that is, that isn't within you and you have to push on 
or you settle with what you have and, and you stay, take a step back. But unfortunately, like with, um, like with drugs, right? I mean, working, working towards your goals is like a drug, mm. you know? Um, It is, it, it is, it is, it is, it is very, very difficult. It is very, very difficult to, to step away from it once you achieve your goal because it becomes realistic all of a sudden. Mm. It becomes, wow, something. Well, I was looking at a picture of a magazine of a Bugatti in Dubai and now it's happening to me. Why should I stop here? Why not say that I'm going to have a global 800 or with, 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 with houses all over the world with a, a big blue chip company of some kind? I don't know what my purpose is. But I have the message, I have, I have seen it firsthand that if you put your heart and your soul to it and you become obsessed with something, there is nothing that can stop you. Look at your, look at your mood board. That, that's still giving me that. I'm still thinking about the mood board. That was such a bad opening, you know, because that's all I'll be able to think about throughout <laughs> this whole chat now. But it's, for me, it is key to visualize if you do not believe if you do not see your vision your goal how are you going to achieve it what are you working towards your next meal your next pizza or, you know everybody has different goals you've got to hit that ladder your next first goal might be buying your house your second goal might be starting your uh, in making your business more successful your third goal might be putting your kids into a better education or whatever you know your fourth there is there is goals along the way and they were goals of of my father as well I saw them all along but you know he's not the type to talk about them you know I have I can only document and, and kind of tell you what I have seen but I'm realizing more and more and more of what he has done over the years and how he did things as I get older as I also step into the problems and the struggles that he he also did you know and it's fantastic to have a mentor like him around um but again to answer your question he is the first person that I've seen visualize things and on the way I was thinking the same thing to myself like who else do I know that is as obsessive about what they do like me and generally I haven't actually I haven't actually met anyone that is obsessed as obsessed as my father and as I am to supporting him um Goes, it goes on to say this, and I really love this. And you said it in a because you had an emoji at the end of it, but there is an underlying seriousness about what you said there, which is envision your goal. This is not verbatim, I'm paraphrasing. Might go to the mall and buy a model plane of a G800 jet this time around. The facts are, Aline, I like, I know if you bought one even if you didn't try and get one, but it was on your desk, you will just absolutely manifest that into your life. That's how scary this stuff is. Do you know what's really scary? I put that in my caption and in my DMs right now, I have three jet brokers that are telling me different plans of actually you can buy a jet. And I have somebody saying to me, that why don't the G800 is not out yet. So why don't you just charter this G650 until the G800 comes? And I was thinking, damn, these guys are helping me. They're, they're not letting me. I like it that I put it out there because it puts pressure on me. And as well, I have to, I have to prove it. I have to show them that I'm a different breed. I'm a different cloth, you know? That's, um, do you know, even just your characteristic there? Because a lot of people, when they feel pressure, when they feel uncertainty or slight anxiety, they think that's a bad thing. In actual fact, that's just your body preparing to step up to the next level and achieve that goal. It's like a fire. You know, every time a fighter goes into the ring, octagon, boxing ring, etc., or even a footballer onto a pitch, they're going to get that butterfly. And even as entrepreneurs, we definitely go through that all the time. And obviously achieving the goals, you're always going to get it. 
Here's another thing I picked up, and I picked up this last time, even before I spoke to you on the first podcast, just knowing you know your profile online. You give so much credit to your father, who's almost like your best friend, yes. but also to God. Like You don't really take a lot of credit yourself. You, you, you say you highlight the things that you've achieved, but you almost put all your credit back onto your father and also to, and onto God. And I just, it's a great kind of stance to take, but I wanted to hear it firsthand. Why do you give so much credit to your father and also to God? Because you clearly make a lot of the success yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I obviously, God is our creator. Uh, you know, we wouldn't exist if, if it wasn't for God. And my father wouldn't exist if it wasn't for God. And I wouldn't exist if it wasn't for my father. So I see it as a gift and a blessing from Allah that he has given me these parents that have done absolutely and everything to make sure that the odds are always stacked in my favor. Um, it's just the belief I've always had. I felt it, you know, I felt distanced from God as well. I've felt close to God as well at times. And I think the best relationship is when you're very close to God as well. And it's, some, it's a feeling, it's something that you cannot really explain. By the way, you, um, when you were uh, paraphrasing some of my uh, quotes and stuff, there's words like inshallah. Inshallah means God willing, right? Mashallah means, uh, you know, all praise be to God. Mashallah, inshallah, alhamdulillah. You know, these are words and sayings that Muslims say after everything that they feel success or they feel some, some good news on and that sort of stuff. And it's always reminding yourself that we are such a small, small water droplet in this ocean, right? And we are very insignificant without our creator, without God. Um, and that's why everything that I have today, I mean, my dreams might seem very pathetic to some people, but this is just how I grew up. This is what my obsessions were. This is what my dreams were. But at the end of the day, none of this would be possible without my creator, God, you know, who has, my mom prays so much and day and night she cries and prays. And she, the reason why I say she cries, she, she, she prays with passion because in our religion, in Islam, it says that Allah wants you to, to ask for whatever you want and as much as you want and keep asking for more and more. So you imagine I've got a great team set up right now. I've got my mom praying for me at home. I've got my dad working so, so solid in the office. You've got me. You've got my amazing other staff members. You've got my grandma who passed away two years ago. May Allah bless her soul and raise her to the highest ranks of Jannah. But she was praying for him all the way through. And then you imagine all the people's prayers. You know, it's not necessarily a prayer that comes from a Muslim or a non-Muslim. If I do something good for you, the feeling that you get, the warmth that you get, or what, how I may benefit you, may, will come back to me. And it will come back to me because God will say, you pleased my people. You helped my people. You did, uh, you know, things without thinking for my people. I'm going to give you more, you know. And it hit me today, a lot of stuff. You know, this was a very good day to do the podcast because a lot of stuff hit me today. Especially when I was in, because uh, it's Friday today, I was in Friday prayer in the masjid and they go around for a, a, a masjid collection. And I thought to myself, everybody's putting some money in this box right now. Right. At a time where there's not much money or, you know, we're going through some difficult times. But people still, whether it's a pound, 50 pence or a tenner, whatever it is, they're still putting it into this box. All in the hope for, in the, in, in the faith that Allah will reward them. And if it's not financially, it could be with peace. It could be with beautiful kids, intelligent kids. 
You can be blessed in many different ways. These blessings that I'm mentioning to you are just focused on, you know, my career, my goals. But alhamdulillah, I'm blessed in other aspects as well. Blessed in ways that, you know, this sort of stuff is baby food for me. And, you know, I do this because this is what the public know of me, you know. And it's my business. It's my journey. It's my dad's hard work. More so than ever, why I love pets so much is because of my father and the work that he has put in. But why did he put in the work as well? Because he knows that, you know, he wants to give my, he wants to give his kids the opportunities that he probably never had and put them in positions where they can go on to do big business, you know. Mm. But in general, you know, I have a lot of faith in God. Um, you know, there is only one God. And, um, and, you know, we as Christianity, Islam, these religions are very, very similar, man. And uh, I feel like, you know, sometimes they are molded and marketing for people's certain agenda. Um, but the truth of the fact is that we all have one goal and we are, we are all one. It's just uh, who gets the message, you know. Mm. Some people, not everyone is blessed with the message. Yeah. We have Alfie Best, my friend, who reverted to Islam um, not so long ago. And you, when you have Alfie on a podcast and you ask him, about it he's a great ambassador for islam and you know he wasn't born a muslim but you know god chooses who he guides mm. and who he wants to misguide as well you know you'd want to distance yourself he will misguide you or well, he doesn't misguide you but the devil will help misguide you mm. um so i, I want to talk to you about the bugatti going over to dubai and your actual plans over there because look i'm speculating are you moving there full time? Is your whole business moving over there? Are you've got, you know, so I know you think big and you've probably got some wild, ambitious plans. So please share it with us. The multi million pound Bugatti Chiron is leaving the UK, flying over to Dubai. And what's going to happen from that point onwards? Well, let me just put the record straight, right? There's no country like the United Kingdom to start off with, right? This country is, regardless of whatever's happening in the world, I don't think we realize how lucky we are, how, how incredible, incredible this country is. I mean, if you just look, we're in Mayfair right now. Do you see how many people are, are flying in from all over the wo world to visit London? And we're, here we are, you know, we've got to look at the good things about this country as well. Um, it's a hustler's island. It's given me all the opportunities I, you know, of where I am. But, you know, the next step of going to Dubai is basically to lay my cards on the table to what I see online and what I've heard about Dubai and all that sort of stuff and my times of going out in Dubai and, and really playing the game now with them, you know, saying that I'm coming over, Pet Dubai is coming and how we're coming, we're coming with full force. We're not coming in with a G-Wagon or a Cullinan or a Urus or a Hurricane or, or a Ferrari. We're coming in with a hypercar and what we're doing, we're flying it over, right? So we're flying, we can fly more cars over if you need. You got the money? <laughs> I just brought this over just so you can see what I'm talking about, you know? But once we're there, I'm here to build my brand, Pet Dubai. Um, it's going to be fantastic, inshallah. It's going to be fantastic marketing out there. I've got my photographers out there. I've got my whole media team set up with my um, YouTube channel, my camera team and stuff. So they're going to be documenting it all out there. You can check that on my YouTube channel as well. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about being back on camera, especially with my new kind of mindset as well, this whole gym mindset. I feel it's uh, it's really, really, really helped me with my work. Going over to Dubai, living that lifestyle, connecting with people um, and building my brand and, and, and building the brand not only in Dubai, but you've got to imagine Dubai is an international hub. There's people from China, India, um, the UK, the US, Singapore, everywhere. People go to Dubai because they're either connecting to another part of the world because of some sort of flight 
Or in the meantime, you know, they hear about Dubai and they want to visit Dubai. So there is a, it's basically a, a turntable of some kind of like, you know, a mad networking place, you know, but then a big networking place also brings a lot of bullshitters as well. So, you know, I think I'm pretty trained, you know, I think uh, God's timing is perfect. Alhamdulillah, everything that he's put me through in life, um, online and offline and the people that I've met, I know how to sieve out a bullshitter. You know, so Dubai's not going to be able to play me and people are not going to be able to play me out in Dubai. I'm only here for the serious hitters. I'm only here to do serious business. If it's not car hire, there's other businesses we can talk about. Um, first and foremost, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, can I ask? I mean, is this the, the business you're going to run just on your own? Is it going to be a franchise? Are you going to sell? What? What? what yeah. Have you got a business partner already lined up? Yeah. So we're spending quite a lot of money and flying the car over to Dubai and that sort of stuff. Again, like I said to you, it was a dream. It was something that I'd envisioned. Uh, but it's also just the way that I think the synergy has taken us for the brand that it needs to go to Dubai now. And we need to do that little bit of place. So we're not going in there with the intention, look, uh, we can go in there and have 101 plans. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is the success it's going to be. I'm going with the flow. I'm going with the with with the plans that I set out. It's always worked for me all the time. So I don't know why it wouldn't work now. We're going to fly over. Um, and sorry, your question. Um, so uh, business partners over there, oh, franchises. Yes, sorry, yeah, business partner. Uh, I'm building the brand up online. Um, I mentioned to you off camera. I'll mention it on camera as well. I do have potential interest in the business. Before I've flown out, there's certain uh, thing demands and certain targets that I want to get the uh, the online account onto and get a, get a good stream of business coming through with it. And then you know I'm not I'm not here to be greedy with it. I'm not here to be selfish and say oh I want I want a percentage in it and all that sort of stuff. Um, I want no liabilities. I want the right business partner. I want the person that's got experience that is driven. Don't want someone with just a load of money that will just let my brand just go to shits because the name is worth more than so that's why I would I would I would happily even you know in a way it's like gifting someone the company for a million you know it's, it's yeah here's a gift from me but you have to uphold my name there's a reason why I'm giving it you at this price you know you have to uphold my name there's certain duties there's certain duties that I've got to do and I don't want no percentage out of it I just wish you all the best as long as my flag is flying high and my brand name went out there I don't have to run it I haven't got time to stand on Shakes Eye Road and say yo how long is the G-Wagon coming in I'll do that enough here you know and the market here I believe is a lot stronger as well but again we're going to go test it out we might be coming back in about three to four five months from now and we'll do another podcast and be like Stephen I'm moving over here permanently because <laughs> that is another question you asked as well if I'm moving over permanently um, for now no I'm moving over there for two months. However, inshallah, if things do work out, then then we will see. But I don't. I wouldn't leave the UK permanently forever. I don't think I could do that. I think this is the country that lights the flame up in my stomach, and I think Dubai, with what's around you and stuff, can kind of take your mindset off the goal. Sometimes it can derail you a little bit, can extinguish that flame in your stomach. So I've got to keep coming back here to. Keep so. Going. Um, I, I would imagine if I was in Dubai with you, so as you well know, I'd done the Gubble Rally and there were some uh, influencer car type individuals, I would say in, in, in the same sort of sector potentially as you, not hiring cars in that business, but you know, online presence, powerful individual, you know, the likes of Shmi and there was Mr. JWW and there was DDE, etc. And what always blew me away is I would say you're more conventional celebrity, so 
Bun B rapper or the Hoff or, you know, these are people that I knew when I was younger before the, the, the days of podcasting on social media and all these platforms and YouTube. I would say they're your more conventional celebrity. But now the new wave is people like yourself, people like me, people like DDE, because you can go to any part of the world and because it's now this online high profile individuals who've got a very good following and a core fan base, it blows me away because I was going from, you know, from uh, Toronto to Indy 500 to Nashville to Atlanta to Miami, etc. And everywhere they went, there was crowds of crowds of people. And I only That's imagine incredible. when you go over to Dubai, you're going to have that as well. So my question is this, the, the audience that you've got here to the audience when you do go abroad, such as Dubai, what's the disparity? What's, what's, what's the difference? Or is it completely the same? I love that question. You know, um, I'll give you an example. People see me out and about in Birmingham all the time, right? The reactions that I get in Birmingham, they're quite respectful. You know, the people don't kind of go crazy. They know that, okay, if we miss him today, we'll probably see him another day. He lives here, you know. Um, but as soon as I go out, out of town a little bit, uh, you start to see that, you know, people are a bit more obsessive over, uh, over, uh, wanting to meet you and, and, and wanting pictures with you and that sort of stuff, you know, bearing in mind, I really don't know what talent I have, actually. I, I don't play sports, as I said, I don't sing and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, like you said, these online figures such as myself, you know, I'm starting to understand why people feel like this as well and why people behave like this. Um, but then majority of the UK, again, you know, it, it's, it's a great reaction. Um, a lot of, I mean, I must say so myself, a lot of females, you know, like the other day, no word of a lie after this podcast is done, I will show you on my phone. I think a, a woman followed me all the way from Manchester to Birmingham and she was on the motorway in the inside lane and she had the light on in her car and she wanted me to see her face. But in, in, in the process, I had the car on cruise control. In the process, she was staring. She was trying to bear into my car. So I thought this psycho woman's trying to kill me or something, right? She did this all the way. She didn't like like stare into me all the way because I, I would have probably just stopped or accelerated on. But when I got to Birmingham, I had a little bit of petrol left in the tank and I pulled into the BP petrol station. And I'm so, my heart is thumping right now because she's followed me all the way. And she gets out and so casually, calmly, she just looks, looks at me as if like nothing has happened the whole way on the motorway. She just starts putting in the fuel and I am absolutely panicking now and I'm recording it. Because I'm thinking, I need my friend. I need people to know that this is what's happening to me tomorrow. If I die in a car accident on, a, you know, on an empty motorway, it, it might not just be me driving into a barrier. I didn't kill myself. It was this woman or something, right? So I've gone up to her and, and I recorded it, and I was just like, and she, I was like, "Are you alright?" And she's like, "Yeah, I was really sick on the motorway. I was throwing up whilst I was driving. Did you not see?" I was like, "No, I was trying to look at the road. If I'm all right with you, yeah." She goes, "Yeah," and you. She DM'd me, by the way, as well, on the motorway. So she's acting like, you know, she, she doesn't know. Oh, it was just a horrible mess. And she, she, looked really, she looked really, like, confused. What happens is people watch online media and they become obsessive. They have, like, these certain relationships with people that they create in their head. And then when they see him in person, they're like, why is he not... Why is he not responding back to me the way that he would respond back to other people online or, or how he behaves on, on camera or how he behaves on screen? But also at the same time, I don't know whether she's been talking to a profile that's been using my fake pictures or something, you know? And she thinks that she's talking to a X, Y, Z and it's not actually Aleem. And I'm like, it's not me. I'm, I'm Lord Aleem. <laughs> I'm not Abdul, whatever, 
you know? And, and that, that is also a factor that you have to bring in. But then going to Dubai, I think the audience there, it's because they know that I've moved all over. There's a lot of UK people, uh, UK um, um, citizens that are going to be over in Dubai as well. I think it's going to be a good party. I think uh, the reactions are going to be uh, good. Um, when I say good, I want it to be good for my company, you know? I'm done with like, I can't have any more people draining my energy anymore. Like, I mean, again, like Stephen, I show you, like I mean, last time, what was I on? I'm now on 10,680. Look how many WhatsApps I've got to get back to. 441. I've really screwed myself over. Like, you know, I, and, and it's because sometimes I don't like to believe that I'm this kind of person that so many people want to talk. Like, you know, you just got to be normal sometimes as well. If someone wants to like, you know, you, you get on with them and you met them a few times or whatever, you know, you'll give them your number. I don't think twice about it, but like, this is what it's come to now, you know, so many bullshit conversations, so much draining my energy. Please don't drain my energy anymore. Leave me alone. I just only want to be around people that are going to help me progress further in life, have the same goals as me in life. Um, and have the same mindset or are going to make me a better person. That's the type of people I want to be around. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited for the move. I have some very, very cool people, um, out in Dubai that I've met over the years. A lot of people messaging me over Instagram as well. So we're connecting, trying to connect with a lot of the car dealers. I'm trying to do a, a Bugatti tour. So basically visit pretty much 90% of Bugattis in the UAE or actually saying the UAE is a bit much, but Dubai, you know, um, and, and doing a video with mine. And, check, and comparing specifications and stuff like who else is going to do it other than me you know um, do you know what would be Shimmy. quite cool yeah Andrew Tate's over there at the moment I've seen and he's obviously got a very very cool uh, Bugatti in this kind of brown colour which I actually really really like incredible your two cars next to each other I think that would be pretty special <sighs> Stephen do I say more now or do I say less right now You've you you you've got a, 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 a you've got a, a, an in there, haven't you? <laughs> uh, you know, Andrew Tate. I met um, I met about seven eight months ago, and uh, by the way, you know I'm going to hit you up to try and get him on the podcast, right? Oh, I think he would love it. I think he I think he would. Uh, when I say he'd love it, I think you would have a great conversation. Um, if he says yes, I'll fly immediately over to Dubai and I'll do it with you guys. I'm ninety five percent sure that he will say yes. Cool. Okay, he is that type of G, and I'm going to go into it now. If if you don't mind, actually, we we'll take Let's some time it. out of you know talking about the top G, the very own. So I think I've learned a lot from the top G. I actually have learned a lot from Andrew Tate, um, mostly about the gym. Honestly, I think if one person's quote really stuck in my head was the person that goes to the gym every day will beat the person that goes to the gym every other day. And that quote has stayed with me since then. And it was just after he said that just after I'd met him, I really didn't know who he was or what he did until he bought this Bugatti. And then I saw like a Bugatti Chiron uh, being used for like, you know, um, these YouTube videos and, you know, uh, promoting his business. And I was like, mm, this guy's got the same sort of business plan as me. But this is two years later. Like, I wonder if he knows who I am. And he did. He did know who I was. And he was in London. Um, he wasn't here with, here with his Bugatti. Uh, I love the way he does say Bugatti. Bugatti. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a character, you know. He's, I love him. Uh, but he, uh, he, he said that we should meet at the Bulgari for a cigar and a chat. Turned up there. There was a few other people there. We had a great chat. He was on about 680,000 followers at the time, 600, 700,000 followers. 
We had a chat. He listened a lot. He didn't talk. He listened. And from, I mean, maybe you can ask him on the podcast when he does come onto your podcast, if he does come onto your podcast, um, is you can ask him, uh, you know, what did you think of Ali? You know, and he did say that it, um, he had been following the journey and uh, he was very proud and he thought, you know, the father-son combination was, was good, was incredible, just like him and his brother is. He also praises his father. He loves his dad to bits. His dad was a very intelligent uh, a guy from another cloth again. And, uh, and, and, and we chatted from there and then he left, you know, and I, I asked him, I said, look, can we take a picture with my Bugatti if possible? And I only wanted that picture. I've met people with more following than that. And I would have never wanted a picture with them or whatever, or, or, or less or what. It doesn't matter to me what, what your following is. I genuinely liked the guy. I liked his behavior. I liked his mannerisms. I liked how much energy he had. I liked how respectful he was. I liked how he empowered all the men that were sitting around him at that time. He made them, you know, he gave his time to these people. And, you know, we had that picture. And I said to him, I said, you know, if you ever need anything my side, you know, let me know. You don't have to fly your Bugatti out here or anything like that. You can just use mine. He said, I appreciate that. But I don't think he needs that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and after that, literally, the guy just... <laughs> He was just 120, well, not 120, 270 mile an hour, literally just flying through every podcast, getting himself. And I thought to myself, damn, this guy really was, he really had a lot locked up in him. Mm. But I, I don't want to say I, I'm not similar to Andrew Tate by any means, but the similarities to every successful person is, again, being obsessed in their work. You know how obsessed he is? I message him on WhatsApp, he'll reply back, with a minute, within a minute of 30 seconds, sometimes not even five, 10 seconds. And I'm thinking, was he w there waiting for me to message? It's because when a message pops up on his phone, he doesn't wait for it to go 10 minutes old, 15 minutes old, 30 minutes old. He, hasn't, he doesn't have an agenda like, oh, I'm gonna make this person think. He's like there, bam, yes, how's it going? What do you need? Boom, right, this is what you wanna do? Right, sounds like a good plan, boom. You know, the guy's just, he's just a go-getter. He's just on it. Just the way that I see my pops operate and how I want to be operating as well. That's why I don't want no more bullshit people around me. Don't want people draining my energy. If you're talking business, if you're talking sense, we're game, you know? And, and, and someone like Andrew Tate as well, sometimes, you know, people can say, hate him or whatever. You cannot disagree with most of the stuff that he says, 99% of the stuff he says. However, sometimes he can at the start I don't think he realized how powerful, how many people he was affecting, the way he articulated himself and this words, certain words that he used, uh, like, you know, whatever it was that he used, I don't want to repeat it, but it can, it kind of, you know, brought a little cloud over his sunshine, you know? But now I think he understands the whole agenda. I think he's sharpened himself up real quick. And I think the world's his oyster, you know? Just the other day, he just faced off to Jake Paul. That's all. He's fighting. I'm sure. The guy's sure. incredible. And about Dubai, I mean, I mentioned to Andrew that, you know, I've always wanted to get our two cars together. I think they're the most famous Bugattis in the world. You tell me if that, if that statement is wrong. De definitely. My, my, def my journey with the car from, you know, 15 years and how, 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 how many people are involved in the journey of me and my car and what Andrew Tate has done in his life to achieve that goal as well. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. We're both in the UK. Yeah. Incredible. What you just said about his quote about the gym, he, he said a few different versions of that quote as well, like paraphrasing or modifying what he said. He said something along the lines of, 
how can you possibly think you're going to be a success if you don't even wake up and go to the gym in the morning? And then what you're trying to say is, it's about the discipline. It's about the routine. It's about the sacrifice. It's about even when you don't feel like doing something, you go to the gym and you're still lifting the weights, you're still doing your boxing training, you're still running or you're still doing... Because it's about the the personality, the characteristic traits you need in order to be a success. And a great way of measuring it is by doing the gym. And I can see now from last time, I mean, listen, you was in shape last time, but now, yeah, you know, you're, you're halfway there to being a model, mate, you know? So the gym, transformation, you know, that routine, that dedication, how much positive impact has it had on your life? Where do I start? Getting into it was difficult, but once you're in it, I can't believe I've, it's like I've unlocked a cheat code. My mindset, my goals, my posture, my presence in a room, you know, first, okay, yeah, it was like, okay, it's a lean, you know, it's, it's a lean, that guy there with all those cars and that, you know, that folly. But now it's like, even if you don't know who I am, you feel me, you know, and I, and I feel that. And how I feel that, I sense it from people's eye contact. I sense it from the way that they look at me. They've, you know, up and down, you know, and, you know, when I see, I'm not like a, you know, an athlete, a bodybuilder, but they can notice the differences. They can notice the posture change and it shows dominance. It shows confidence. It shows that, again, you work for something in the morning. You work for your body. You work for yourself. You care about yourself. So you must also care about your bank account. You must also care about your businesses. So you must also care about your part business partners. It's just a recipe for success. And then when you're going through that pain on the stepper, I could do three minutes, four minutes on the stepper the first time I did it. The next time I did it, I did seven and a half minutes. The next time I did it, it was like 12, 30 minutes. Then 15, 20 minutes just felt comfortable. And then you just zone out. And I can keep going on and on and on on that until until 40 minutes. And that for me shows that, you know, persistence, dedication, you know, I think this is what I needed. I needed this structure in my life. I was enjoying my life way too much. Why would I want to do two hours in the gym with the lifestyle I was living? I would rather jump in a car, go meet up with my mates and go have fun, eat whatever I want, do whatever I want. I don't care. I'm still Lord Elim. I'm fairly good looking, right? I'm fairly, but... It wasn't about that. I was delusional in my head. You got to feel like being a man. You can't live your prime years of your life without feeling that testosterone pumping through your body and understanding. You know when you grunt, when you go, ooh, and you're pushing that weight? I come out of there feeling like a lion. I feel like, whoa, I'm here to, I'm here to take that meat. I'm here to take that meat. I'm here for whatever it takes that I need to do. I'm here to take it. I'm in the gym with people that are deadlifting 300 kilos, 350, some huge guys. I don't know what weights they're doing. The blooming bar's bending. It's going crazy. I first came into the gym looking at these guys thinking, oh, that, that's some crazy weight. I was in like 160, 170s on a deadlift the other day. I was like feeling strong. I was feeling, I was feeling powerful. But I direct that power into me into understanding that you know, that was a time for you to, to know what you're capable of. Don't doubt yourself. When you look in that mirror and you see that change, don't become obsessed and believe, oh, I just want to do it to look good. It's for your, it's for your engine up here. That's where the benefit, I used to think it was for how I look first, but then I didn't, when I realized how much it was for the mindset, it was game over there for me. Like I had to go every day and the, and the, and the body's just a, 
a benefit that, you know, it's just on the side, you know. But then again, I have been going to the gym and a lot of people have been saying, hey, listen, there's a lot more benefits than having a good body. You know, you can, well, for me anyway, like, you know, you could start a business, you know, you could get a brand sponsorship, Gymshark, all that sort of stuff. But I said to myself, everybody hold their horses. I'm a perfectionist, you know. I've got to get to a certain point where how I want to look, where how I believe someone who has my audience, who has so much um, kind of influence needs to get to, I need to get to that point and then I can preach about health and workouts and stuff. I've got a long way to go yet. This is like the baby stages. This is the baby phase. I'm sure I'm going to have a dip somewhere. But then again, I'm going to go to Dubai. I've also already implemented this into my routine. The building that I'm staying in at has an incredible gym. But also I'm going to be doing a tour of all the gyms that are out there, some of the outdoor gyms. I'm going to be training different martial arts as well. Um, my family, um, you, uh, most of the Pakistani people know this, but my bloodline comes from uh, wrestlers. Uh, my grandfather was a wrestler my, um, my, on both sides. Uh, my, all my uh, mom's brothers are wrestlers, international wrestlers. Like if I could find some images of, of what these guys and how these guys used to train, it was incredible. So when people tell me that, that's what, that's the bloodline that you come through or from wrestlers, you know, I've got to kind of discover that within me. And it kind of, it's just a, I feel like it's a new me. Hmm. Actually, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So um, you touched on a few things there that again, pivoting back to Andrew Tate and also another guy that I have been watching just because he's so kind of raw and a bit unusual for today's world, which is Liver King. Yeah. The guy walks around with his top off and what I actually like about what you were just saying and what Andrew Tate says and what Liver King says, and look, bear in mind, I don't agree with what everybody says all the time, but there's pockets of things that I think, yeah, he's on the button now. You know, men, there's no, there's no shame in saying men are men. And sometimes through this social media world and through this new kind of view that, you know, sometimes people try and make you feel embarrassed or feel ashamed or feel like you can't, stand up and say, I'm a fucking man and I go to the gym and I fucking, I can move mountains and that kind of stuff. This new wave is almost like... Can I, you know, what you're saying there, that whole wave of taking the whole manlyhood out yeah, of a person. Yeah, they're draining I, it out of people. I obviously, when I was training at the start and stuff, there's a lot of testosterone pumping through me. I used to get a little bit angry at home, right? And uh, getting a little bit angry and stuff. And my mom used to say, oh, I pray to God that Allah takes the anger out of you. You know, and she was, you know, like typical moms sometimes overthink and overreact. She's talking to my cousin's sister in, in Pakistan and saying, oh, you know, Aleem, sometimes he gets very angry and stuff. Do dua for him, do pray for him that, you know, he doesn't get so angry all the time. And she goes, no, that's the wrong prayer. You don't want to take the anger out of him because then you won't be a man. She was like, I didn't think of it like that. You eliminate the characteristics of a man. And you're left with a bitch. Mm. You know, that's it. Simple as that. I don't care how you want to put it. And a man's characteristics, the instincts of a man is to go hunt for his family, to put, provide for his family, to provide for his wife. Yes, we live in the, you know, we live in the modern era now. You know, it's 2023. If a woman, is, you know, is, is, of course, we're all for women. We're all for women being in, 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 in strong positions. However, that should still not stop the man from wanting to feel like a man because you know you do actually see some men in in relationships where the woman's the boss right yeah she's 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 in the um she's in the office she's the ceo right yeah and she's she's doing really really well and 
and the husbands are stay at home. Dad, you know, when you meet him, like, you're like, you know what? You just sit there and I'll chat to your missus instead. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if, uh, you know, feminists want to come along and, and say stuff like, oh, no, that's not the right way to think about it. You know, she's empowering him as well at the same time. Mate. But that's why. Like that's, I said, I'd rather talk to your missus then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I do admire what Andrew Tate is all about, because he just reminds you again, listen, you're a man, hmm. you're an entrepreneur, you're a business person, hmm. and you need to start acting like it and not be suppressed by this new wave of like how men should be and everybody's equal etc look i get there's certain elements where you're on the same playing field but there's other aspects in life where you're simply not and there's no point of muddying the waters and making it a gray area you know a million percent you know you know it's got it's got to be as black and white as that so anyway I'm digressing so look you're clearly a success yeah you could clearly today retire couldn't you you know you've got a yes. lot of money um and I know from the entrepreneurial gene, the mindset, the characteristics that it, it does go beyond money because it, it, it's this purpose. Yeah. You talk about your, the creator, God, you know, Allah, etc., and they've given you a purpose. Yeah. But money, how important is money and what is the ultimate goal with it? You know, what is the actual final number for you, really? Hmm. Uh, I get asked this question uh, when I, sometimes on, on on the stories and whatever, but it's a it's a incredible question and it's a question that changes with age, I think. But I'm going to tell you at this point what money is for me. Money is important, of course it's important, and where where is the stopping point? There is no stopping point. I don't think. I don't think there is a stopping point for me at this moment of time in the way I should be thinking because how can you cap something? Why not even make it to that? So I just, I just, I just, I think for the, I think for the billions, if I could, you know. But sometimes you've got to, you know, be a bit more realistic as well, and it's kind of like, you know, tell, chill out. You know, let's take it step out of time. Let's think of a hundred million mark at the moment, right? We get to hundred m's, right? There's a lot of people out here that say they're worth this, they're worth that. Listen, they ain't worth the statement that they've just made, you know. But what money does? It gives you the freedom to do whatever you want to do and operate and make decisions that are beneficial for you, your family, and for the people around you, your friends, you know? Um, things like treating your friends for a dinner. Things like, you know, being able to fly out and if you want your friends to come along, pay for their ticket. Things like there's a charity that is happy to uh, dedicate a water well under your grandma's name. Charity is a big part of Islam. Money. Well, it's a big circle. It's a big cycle. But for me, it's important for the freedom and the things that I want to achieve in life. Like, for example, my goals before the money was for, ah, I want to buy this car, I want to buy that car. My goals are not cars anymore. To me, honestly, I I've said this before, and I've been thinking this for about a good year now, is baby food. You know, I've done it all. Whether I'm seen in a, a Vauxhall Astra or I'm seen in a, in a Rolls Royce or a Bugatti, it really doesn't bother me now at all. You know, what watch I wear, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I do it for myself if I do it. Otherwise, it doesn't bother me what people are thinking. Whereas previously, it was, it was a point to prove. Um, but my goals now, and when I see what my dad's doing, 
with his money and the people's lives that he can change and the way he can make people feel like those are more attractive goals. He has a warmth and a glow that I don't have or, or I haven't seen many people have. And, and, and that's what I want to do. That's, that, that's my goal. The more money I have, the more people I can help around me and then my further networks. And then, you know, if God was to will me and, and, and bless me with the billions, rest assured, I'll go to my grave with not a percentage of it, you know, because that's the way that we believe. We come with nothing and we go with nothing, you know, probably leave a little bit for my family. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, so we've all business people. But it's all... very easy to say that as well because I haven't got the millions yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you're doing pretty well, mate. Yeah. Um, look, with every entrepreneur, business person, someone that builds a big brand, the way I look at them is they're like warriors, yeah? They go forward and even when all the odds are stacked against them, they don't care. They're on this mission and they will go forward. And even if they get stabbed with this and shot with that, they just march on forward. And if I can say this, you've got so much great going on right now, but earlier in the year, you even quite recently, your armor was test, tested. You know, the metal of your armor, people were seeing if there was chinks in your armor and testament to the fact that you're here today and you're smashing it, your goals, and you've got this massive, you know, uh, goal and dream over in Dubai. And I know it's going to pull off for you. But my favorite car that you owned, the FBJ, which was in a very special color, was set on fire. Now, I just looked online and I know the Birmingham Live on the 24th of August said this, man still fighting for his life after Lord Aleem Lamborghini fireball horror. And do you know what? It's almost like two, two, two kind of challenges there for your emotions, also your mindset. Number one, you, your car, you know, it's destroyed. That must really kind of, you know, look, you've got loads of cars, but... Each car is another goal that you've ticked and it's hard work, it's persistence, it's sacrifice. They're your medals, yeah? And then, on top of that, to rub salt in the wound, you get the Birmingham Live or the Sun newspaper or the Star or whatever wants to run this narrative that, trying to, trying to almost insinuate that you're responsible for this. So I want to ask about how you deal with that, Elaine. How, how, how do you control your emotions? How do you control your mindset when this happens? Okay, so at the time that I heard the news, I was in the south of France um, at Carlton Beach. And I got a phone call. I was having the best time ever. It's great. Making some great content. Um, another dream little vacation down in the south of France. And uh, I got a phone call from the office saying that... Uh, no, I didn't get an, I didn't get a phone call. I had somebody DM me a picture or a, a story of a guy driving past a burnt out Lamborghini and sent it me on my DM. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, just another burning Lamborghini. <laughs> and then I soon it was sent to me again. So because it's been sent twice, I thought, why have two people, different type of profiles, whatever, so I looked at the video closely. Is my car on fire? And then the first thing I thought about was, that looks like someone's died in it. And my heart right now is pumping through my chest. I didn't give a shit where I was in the south of France. I just didn't want that guy to die in my car. You know, do you know where I'm coming from? Like the whole, just the whole agenda of supercar, fast cars, someone dying. There's a 
stigma that something is going to stick. And obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a client. It's someone that is coming to the office, has picked up a car. We saw him maybe two, three days ago. He shook everyone's hand. You know, we have emotions with it. He could be dead. So I'm thinking, is he dead? It looked serious. There was ambulance and the siren. Someone was pumping in the guy. I was thinking, why are they pumping his chest? What are they doing? I'm trying to phone the office, right? And office has gone, lines have gone crazy because probably everybody's phoning up now. It's gone viral. You know, when anything like this happens, the first thing people do is instead of helping the people, they're like, oh, let's video this. This will get some great TikTok views, great, you know, Instagram views and whatever. And, you know, it's all right. If that's, if that's, that's what we're in, that's the era that we're in. Some shit happens. So I've picked up the news. I phoned my dad. I spoke to my dad. I was like, Pops, what's happening? And, you know, he's a soldier. You know, he's an absolute soldier. The first thing he said to me was, it happens. This, these things happen. But he goes, what's upsetting about this one is, is that you named it after your mum. And it was only one week away, one hire away from coming off the fleet completely. We've never done this to a car before. Retire it and not have the intention of selling it. The warranty was going to run out. We was going to take it off the fleet. I had a Gintani exhaust ordered for the car. I was going to put some HRN springs on it, put some bad boy wheels on it, and I was going to use it as my toy that gives me the same satisfaction as my Bugatti because I had so much towards it. And bro, like the people around me that I was on holiday with at the time, they're on holiday. You know, they're like, no one was feeling what I was feeling. I was getting frustrated. I was like, this is like, as sad as it is, it's like a kind of a death of a car to me. Anyway, I asked my dad, how's the guy? Dad goes, I don't know too much about him, but we are on our way. Uh, when I say my dad and his PA went straight to the hospital to go and see how the customer was. They really, really appreciated it. Lovely family. And uh, these things happen, you know, it was wet weather. It's a high performance car. Um, errors can be made. And, and, and it is what it is. It, it, it crashed. It, it went into a fireball. The passenger, I think, passed out upon impact. But both are okay. Both are well. Okay. It wasn't described as life-threatening um, as such. Uh, but alhamdulillah, today they are both okay. So that's the main thing. They're fit and healthy uh, and, and they are good. Um, and we just have to pick ourselves up and move forward. People have told me, why don't you buy another Lamborghini Aventador SVJ and paint it in that color? And listen... Halas, once it's done, it's done. We move forward. I think about the next one. I'm not here to hoard stuff around. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It's not, it's not. It's just a, another toy. You know, you've lost what the market value of that car was 300,000 pounds. I'd done about 50,000 miles in the car. So, you know, about 300,000 if I was lucky. Not that I would sell it. So, look, we're 300,000 300, down. Um, don't really claim anything off of my insurances and stuff because, you know, policies nowadays, they're incredible. You know, it's incredibly difficult to get hold of. And, it's uh, very important that we have a good relationship with our insurers, but it'll come a time soon where I'll just insure myself, you know, and, uh, and we're heading towards that goal. We're heading towards that goal of insuring ourselves and, 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 and making sure that, you know, we, we, we don't have these problems because look, it, it feels like I'm self-insuring myself right now, you know, taking these hits on. What can I say to the customer? You know, they've paid their, they've done what they've had to do and, you know, they've crushed it. It's gone. I can't get emotional with it. This is the game I'm in. If you loved it so much, you shouldn't have put it on higher, you know, but this is the game I'm in. It's metal. We move on. And I love my dad's um, uh, attitude towards it. My mom's attitude towards it. No one remorse. And I get really frustrated and really angry. So nobody, please do not come up to me and say, Aline, buy another SVJ and paint it in the color. I don't look back. I only look forward. And, you know, like I said to you, this stuff's baby food, you know. I'm looking forward to bigger and better things, inshallah. 
You're no um, stranger to being in online, obviously, social media, but also the mainstream media, um, you know, in tabloids and stuff. And there are some really good ones, but there's also some ones that are spun in a way to make you look like, you know, like even that one I just read out. I mean, it's unfair the way they spin it and make you look like almost trying to allude that you're a criminal or like you're a sport rich person or something like that. I want to ask you, like, when you do pick it up for the first time, like the Star, the Sun, the Birmingham Life, they might write an article, they've they put a narrative, they've overemphasized certain things. How does it make you feel when you actually see your name in these articles and it's just not true, some of the stuff they're saying? I used to, I used to not like it so much. I used to want to always, like, prove that it's not true. It's, that's not who I am. But really now, I just buzz off it. <laughs> I really do. I really do buzz off it because I think... Um, their media is not as strong as what what I am, what the real deal is. You know, you can't you can't extinguish extinguish the real deal. You know, I am who I am. You can write whatever you want about me. You can say whatever you want about me. When you meet me and you see where I operate, I'm based at that Comptry Road office. You know, you can come and see me there. You know, we're not hiding from no one. There's nothing dodgy going on. You know, you can create as many stories, any all the fantasy stories that they want to create. You know. At the end of the day, I look at that as somebody that can't believe that I am where I am today in my life. And that gives me satisfaction. That gives me the satisfaction to think, gee, not even these guys can, can believe in my vision. They, so, or not my vision, or they don't believe in me. You know, everybody else has to get labeled a good guy, but why me the bad guy? It's probably the way I started off my mainstream media career on the phone and the lottery and all that sort of stuff and you know various different articles about you know previous bullshit you know but at the end of the day we're here and i don't know if i'm a good guy or not you know or not not so much a good guy you know you know most of the time these editors and stuff right yeah for the birmingham mail that write this shit for me right like i picked up a kid from the school in a bugatti chiron right and uh and I've met them. And you know, when they meet me, they're like, first they're like a bit like, mm, this is that guy that, you know, everybody in the office, you know, I know what they're thinking that everyone's talked about. He's a right, this, he's that, and the other. And I would approach them and, and I can see them. They're looking in, they're looking like he's not exactly how he, you know, how he's portrayed or what the guys think of him in the office or whatever, you know? So I'm, I try my best as well, you know, to make sure that, you know, I'm very hospita hospitable towards these so-called, you know, news report writers and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I'd get him a drink and, you know, make sure he's have a little chat with him. How's life? How's things? What camera is that? You know, trying to show him. I'm just another normal guy, you know. It's nothing nothing weird and dodgy going on about me. Again, you know, things that you see online as well, even what I portray. Let's say I put up 10 Instagram stories um, today that are 10 seconds long. That's 100 seconds of my day. You know, it's a very small snippet, a very small highlight, uh, again, with the pictures and that sort of stuff. And the more I understand that every day, the more I understand what I need to show online and what I don't need to show online. Um, the reason why I show my workouts, and so sometimes I get a message saying, Lord Liam can't go to the gym without posting a picture of himself. The reason why I post it is because there might be people out there that were thinking about going into the gym who aspire to want to look like me because of my same haircut as me or same glasses as me and want to wear the same clothes as me might want to go to the gym because they want to have a body like me as well you know so if you know you don't know who you look what andrew tate did you know like but with that one comment you know he's his words are very powerful they resonate with people and you know you don't know whose word might resonate with who so 
Again, media, whatever's out there on the online world, oops, sorry, whatever's out there on the online world, whatever's out there about me, I can't stop it. You know, I don't, I'm not Rupert Murdoch. It is what it is. And at the end of the day, I think with podcasts like this and conversations with genuine real people like yourself, Stephen, and that's why I'm here, um, is, is what I need in my life. You know, I don't need to be around bullshit people, you know, as clean hearts always win. That's it. We'll leave it at that. De- definitely. Um, selfishly, last time when I spoke to you, I highlighted or asked you a question about Conor McGregor standing on your Rolls Royce. Yeah. And the reason why I say selfishly, because listen, I'm a mere pup in this social media world and I'm on the journey. I'm going to become, you know, my, my ambitions is to be a, a, an influencer. People, people really enjoyed our podcast. Yeah. They tell me so many positive things about yeah. it. I get personal messages saying Stephen is an amazing podcaster. Thank you. Thank you. So that snippet, I think on Instagram alone, it went over 5.2 million views. And even still today, I'm still getting people comment on it and also share it, etc. So I want to ask you this question. Now that we know that people, high profile people stand on sexy, great cars and also your cars, when they stand on it, it's like viral kind of content. Would you allow Andrew Tate to stand on the Bugatti Chiron? No. Crazy. No, we'd have to have a we'd have to have a little fight over that. <laughs> if he stands on my Bugatti, I'll go stand on his Bugatti. We'll do that. If he lets me stand on his, I'll stand on his. How's that? That'll be an epic photo. No, um, no, 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 that, no, that. And when I have, inshallah, when I have kids in the future as well, I will also tell them, don't do what Daddy used to do. You know, like by sitting on cars, is that you respect what is around you. You know, sometimes we do things for social media in the, in the hype in the moment of wanting more likes, more followers, but you need to respect what's around you because when the moment you disrespect something, that's when God will take it away from you. You know, especially with the cars and that sort of stuff as well. You know, treating them like it's a you, you have that sense of pride in you, like oh, I just I just pulled up in the gay. You know, I stand on it. Like it's nothing. It's a lot. There's a lot of pain, a lot of tears, a lot of long hours, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of difficulties, a lot of jur- a lot of, a lot of you know hurdles in the journey that came to that moment. And you need to look at that and remind yourself. That's why I have to do time. And this this week I've been feeling that today more so than ever. It's uh, it's been amazing. But on 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 the aspect of you know um, things, I saw some comments on that Conor McGregor video. By the way, people were saying things like, "Oh, it was the best thing that ever happened to you." You know, all that sort of stuff. And I'd be like, listen, uh, I, I was already known before that. You know, I had loads of followers before that. I was very well established in my business before that. You know, I don't mind with that because the only people I only know of Connor, obviously, because he's such a huge superstar on a different level, you know. But, you know, it's uh, it's something that happened. Would I have dealt with it differently in the future uh, if, I, if I knew what I knew now? Yes. Um, but it is what it is, you know, like today, nobody can offer me and come up to me, you know, and say something like, you know, would you want to fight me in a YouTube boxing fight or whatever for like 150k, 200k or whatever, 200 quarter of a mil. And even though that's a lot, that's good money and whatever. But I have to look at it in perspective of, you know, um, am I, you know, what do I make out here in the real world? Is that worth 250? Like, do you know where I'm coming from? So, you know, there's, 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 there's conflictation. That's why I'm not a conflicting guy anymore online. I'm not going to go beef with someone unless someone wants to put up, you know, it, it matches my, my, my kind of category and whatever and can match a prize that is, is big enough for me to, to, to get hungry for, you know, like, you know, Jake Paul's numbers and KSI's numbers uh, and, 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 and their numbers are good. You know, like I, I, I don't mind that money. That money can, 
can, can entice me into a fight. But, you know, don't be offering me anything less than, you know, a meter, you know? So you, you would, if someone put up some, some million. Yeah, like you said, I'm a man. You, I, would, you, would, you would have a boxing fight? Who wouldn't want to walk out to a crowd of people going absolutely crazy, right? Harley, come on, do it. Do it for your people. You've trained hard for that moment. You get in the whole... If I don't live that moment, if I don't feel that from where I come from and who my ancestors were, have I really lived my life? Question. But I'm doing it for a meter. And then next, next year, probably be two meters, so... Maybe uh, maybe fantasy fight that we could turn into a reality. Who would you fight in the social media high profile world? Again, I'd have to. Uh, this this is difficult. I'd I'd have to have a personal problem with them as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, unless it was someone like Jake Paul and KSI, or or, or, or a big YouTuber like that um, that, that, that is a, a similar size to myself, then yeah, I, I would go for it. True, true Geordie, I'd do True Geordie. I definitely, I, that's actually, if there's one person that I would want to fight, or I could say is True Geordie. There was another YouTuber that I did offer out many, many years ago who, if I was to come to it again, I would look at him and say, I'm so sorry for even offering to fight you. Like, you know, you don't have it in you to fight me at all. And I'm not going to go around bullying people. I'm not a bully. And who um, was it? That was Mo Vlogs. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, he's, he's, a kid. he's doing his thing, you know, like at the end of the day, I can agree, disagree with certain things that he does with his sister or whatever. But look, that's up to him. I've met him. There was no problems. I actually met him. I don't know whether I should say this online, but I met this guy called Hush Puppy at the Formula One Grand Prix. And Hush Puppy, who was a, uh, who's now known as a big fraudster, right? Which I didn't know at the time. It was like, oh, you are the biggest uh, car YouTuber. You've got to meet my friend who's a massive YouTuber as well. And then he met, introduced me to my vlogs. And I was like, right. <laughs> okay, Hush. <laughs> Thank you. And then that's the last that we saw of him, unfortunately. Going back to just running off this part, and I know you're busy because you've got to prepare for, to, you know, you and your Bugatti are going over to Dubai, so I'm, I'm conscious of your time, Aline. But, you know, Conor McGregor, if he did turn back up and say, that, sorry about that, I stood in your car, but I want to hire a car off you again, knowing that he potentially might go and do that again in San Antonio, would you let him hire your car again? I said, yeah, Conor, let's recreate the picture, but this time I stand in your car and you stand next to me. And then it's a deal. And then you can have everything on the house. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, look, Aleem, I always appreciate you coming uh, and meeting me. You call me every so often. This is what people don't realize. And I don't share. You, you actually randomly call me every so often. And just to have a, a very, very quick chat. And I really appreciate that, you know, um, because it's, we're not trying to get Instagram or hits off it. We're just having a chat as mates. And it's you, valuable, have, you, you, have, you have a very zen feeling to it. Like, you know, I feel like for me, as well as doing a podcast and spending time with yourself, I feel like it's a free therapy session. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I should pay you for this next time. But again, you know, you inviting me and making me, uh, you know, the, the first person to have uh, been in this room, in this beautiful gallery here in Mayfair, um, Woodbury House. You know, it's an absolute honor. It makes me feel very special. And again, you know, to me, I want to support you on this podcast journey. You're successful in the real world. You're on to bigger things. You have a vision. And and that's what matters to me. It's what people are genuine in real life. There's people, podcasters and people out there that give it 10, 10 on a mic. Should I say 11 out of 10? You meet them in real life. And you're like, you're not that guy. 
you're not built like that. And that's why I can look at you in the eye and I can have that conversation with you because you are, you are a G, <laughs> should I say. Thank, thank you, Aleem. I asked you a question to round off my podcast, which I do every single guest. And it's really, I have them back for a part two, three, four, et cetera. And when I ask the same question, I typically do actually normally get a, a slightly different answer. So the question is this, what does be happy, never content, mean to you for a second time round on the Stephen Sully study? So, you know, I actually can't remember what I said the first time round. So let me see if I said something similar to the first time. Be content. Be, be con happy, never content. Be happy, never content. Yeah, that's me right now. Basically, this podcast was just that. I'm, I'm very, very happy. Alhamdulillah, all praise be to God. I have a beautiful mother, a very loving mother, father, family, beautiful, beautiful family, very successful business. I'm very content. Oh, sorry, I'm very happy. But am I content? Well, you know, we got to get that global 800 now. That's it. That's it, mate. Um, I look forward to seeing you when you're back in the UK, coming to Birmingham and hopefully being around some of your wicked cars uh, and getting a talk with you and your dad. But before we do that, why don't we do a part three in Dubai? Listen, if you get me and uh, Andrew Tate or someone like that as well, I can, I can, we can have a freeway conversation. That'd be epic. Guys, comment below if you would like to see a Stephen Sully podcast um, in Dubai and we can catch up on our antics out there and we can take them out in the Bugatti as well on the Shakes Eye Road. By the way, I'm going to be on UK plates over there. So I wonder if the speeding cameras will work. <laughs> Tune in for part three to find out. Stephen, thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you. God bless, mate. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, you're a top man. My thank G you. And if you enjoyed this, obviously, please follow this man. Uh, subscribe, share the episode and be happy. Never content. Yeah, buddy. <laughs>